the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Last time I began a new topic called Our Faith, What Will Others See in 2023? In part one, we explored the question, how do God and Jesus see others with the intent of challenging us to mimic Jesus more this year so others see our light shining brighter? If you missed part one, the podcast is posted at faithtalk1360.com. Search the menu for local program podcasts, then scroll to a word from the word. Well, friends, today in part two, we'll explore the question, how does the Holy Spirit see others? In so doing, we'll look at the third member of the triune Godhead, who's a bit more mysterious or elusive to many of us. Either that or we hold some bizarre ideas about him. But today I propose that in order for us to see others the way the Holy Spirit sees others, we must cultivate listening to the Spirit's voice. In part one, we focused on our eyes. Here in part two, we'll focus on our ears. And along the way, as this series unfolds, we'll continue to discover natural and creative ways we can reach out to people in our spheres of influence or in our relationship circles. So, friends, I'll begin today's installment with a true story about a young college-age man, Dan Montgomery. One Friday afternoon, Dan was sitting in his seminary class, gazing out the second-floor window at the grassy court below. His theology professor just erased from the blackboard a long list of Bible verses on the Holy Spirit. Well, I'll let Dan take over now and tell his own story. I felt weary from memorizing a semester's worth of long lists about the Holy Spirit, like the divine attributes of the Holy Spirit, the appearances of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Today, Dr. Palmer had cited all the references to the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. The fire that spurred me to sign up for this course on the Holy Spirit sputtered out after the first few lectures. Digging up hundreds of historical references about what the Holy Spirit said or did thousands of years ago seemed like spiritual archaeology to me. 
I said to myself, I know history has its place, but can't I encounter the Holy Spirit today? What is the Spirit doing where I am, in Springfield, Missouri, right here, right now? Well, after class, I followed Dr. Palmer into his office like a lost puppy dog looking for direction. He invited me in. I asked him, Dr. Palmer, do you ever hear from the Holy Spirit? He replied, not directly. I don't hear anything personal from the Holy Spirit, such as a conversation would imply, but I do feel comforted now and then. Why do you ask? I searched for words. I just want something more from this course. I want to learn how to experience the Holy Spirit and have a real relationship with him. I shifted my seat and my voice became a little tense. I want to know if the Holy Spirit really knows who I am and if he can guide me in specific ways. Dr. Palmer looked out the window and then back at me. Dan, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to you in a personal way and see what happens. Tell him you'd like an adventure for today. So I returned to my dorm to get ready for my study date with Gwen, a friendly girl who sat next to me in the Holy Spirit course. I volunteered to help her get ready for our final exam the following week. We planned to drive over to the Southern Missouri State University Library across town to study. While in the shower, I began formulating a prayer. Then as I got dressed, the prayer finally came together in my mind. I prayed out loud, Holy Spirit, I'm tired of memorizing everything about the good old days. I want to know if you're really alive and well in the 20th century. Can you please speak to me today? When Gwen and I arrived at the Southern Missouri State Campus, I invited her to have coffee before hitting the books. We strolled over to the Student Activity Center with its ballroom and snack bar. As we entered, the throbbing beat of music struck our ears. A sign announced a rock band was playing in the ballroom upstairs. I smiled at Gwen and gyrated my body in fun, but we knew we didn't dare go up there. The seminary made it clear they prohibited dancing. Any student caught dancing could be expelled. So we walked to the snack bar where I bought some coffee and muffins and Gwen and I sat down in a booth. No sooner had we sat down, a presence came over me so strongly that I froze. A powerful thought formed inside me and grew into a voice speaking within me. Gwen noticed something and asked, "'What's wrong, Dan?' I muttered, "'Just a minute,' staring into space. That inner voice said so matter-of-factly, "'Dan, go to the dance!' My hand trembled as I gave Gwen her coffee and took a sip of mine. Gwen, I think the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. Gwen replied, I didn't hear anything. I replied, no, I mean inside me. What did he say, she asked. He said, go to the dance. She replied, that can't be the Holy Spirit. It's against the rules. I know, I said, but what if it really is the Holy Spirit speaking to me? Will you come with me? She replied, okay, but let's just go in and get out. We finished our coffee and walked upstairs to the ballroom. I was both curious and a little tense. At the top of the stairs, the blaring music hit us full force like a cannonball. The ballroom glowed softly with multicolored track lights. Now and then a strobe light flashed, making the gyrating dancers look like ghosts dancing in slow motion. Well, that voice spoke to me again. Go stand in front of the band. 
I squeezed Gwen's hand and led her across the floor next to the band. Suddenly a scary thought hit me, and I imagined a scowling Dean pointing his finger at me and yelling, "'You're out of here, buster!' His mouth would drop wide open when I pleaded, "'The Holy Spirit made me do it!' Right then I thought of abandoning the whole experiment, but that inner voice spoke again, this time even more specifically— Go strike up a conversation with that young man wearing the yellow shirt and blue jeans. His name is Terry. Tell him I love him. I'm sorry for the pain he's gone through. If he wants me back in his life, I will give him new guidance. I thought to myself, this can't possibly be the Holy Spirit. It's got to be my imagination or some kind of wish fulfillment. I turned to Gwen, not knowing how to explain my perplexity. "'Is he still speaking to you?' she asked. "'Yes,' I said. "'Well, what are we supposed to do next?' Gwen displayed more faith than I had, and she wasn't even hearing the voice. But I resolved to carry out the strange orders. I just had to find out if it was the Holy Spirit leading me. <sighs> so I took a deep breath and led Gwen across the dance floor right next to the guy in the yellow shirt. Feeling somewhat awkward, I moved into his line of sight. I then clumsily introduced us as students from across town. My name's Terry, he said. My heart pounded. Terry, I said, the Holy Spirit told me to come over here and give you a message. Who, he asked. The Holy Spirit, I shouted as the band hit a loud chord. The strobe light pulsed wildly, highlighting the incredulous look on Terry's face. At that moment, the band stopped for a break. Then in a normal volume, I said sincerely, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you he's sorry for what happened to you. He says he still loves you very much. He even told me your name. Terry's mouth dropped open. Tears flowed down his face. He said, stammering, I can't believe that God knows I'm here and sent you to talk to me. I've been so lonely. It's been the worst year of my life. How so, I asked. Terry told us he was once a student at the seminary. It was about to graduate, he continued. Some friends talked me into going to a dance. Another student saw me going in and reported me to the dean. The dean expelled me. What have you been doing since, I asked, taking a few courses here at Southern Missouri State, but I don't feel like I belong. This weekend I prayed for the first time in months and asked God to show me a sign if he still wanted me to go into the ministry. I looked at Gwen. She was biting her lip, and her eyes welled up with tears. Not caring what anybody else thought, we both hugged Terry. I put my arm around his shoulder and whispered, The Holy Spirit also said to tell you he wants to guide you again. All you have to do is ask him. Terry nodded and then asked, Would you guys pray for me before you go? The three of us formed a circle and bowed our heads. I prayed, Father, thank you for giving Terry a sign of your love. Heal his emotional wounds. Renew your calling for him and guide him every day in the fullness of your will. Thank you for bringing us together by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Terry's hand then rubbed his chest. My bitterness is gone, he said, with a smile of relief. Thanks for having the guts to come and talk to me. I'll never forget tonight. He reached out and vigorously shook our hands. Later in the library, Gwen and I cracked the books with a warm glow in our hearts. The Holy Spirit was no longer just a remote concept or a list of attributes to memorize. He had revealed himself to us as a living personality. 
This experience taught me that the Holy Spirit not only spoke in times past, but he still speaks to us personally today. You see, friends, as we said last time, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Notice how the three key players in this true story fit into this template. First, there's the Lord through the Holy Spirit, the one with the divine resources. Second, there's a human need, represented by Terry, who has been hurt and has wandered away from the Lord's will. And third, there's a loving channel, represented by Dan, who wants to be directed by the Holy Spirit. Last time in part one, we saw that God delights in arranging coincidences, or as someone coined it, God incidences. You see, friends, God's in the business of engineering circumstances in people's lives so he can love them through us. Now, as this series continues to unfold, we'll include an extensive look at the biblical love. So we're all on the same page. But for now, ask the Lord to fill you with his love for other people. Make yourself available. Then see what happens. Friends, I'd love it if we adopted this engineer's prayer. Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so that you can love them through me. And you can either pray this as a general prayer, or you can insert specific people's names for whom you're praying. Remember Johnny Erickson Tata's words from last time? God arranges for natural events to occur at specific times to further his end. Well, friends, let's keep all this in mind as we unpack Acts 8 and the account of Philip and the Ethiopian. First, the backstory. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Remember now, friends, last time we mentioned Acts 1.8, where Jesus said, You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest parts of the earth. The text continues, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy or ravage the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits kept coming out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Let's fast forward to verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? The eunuch asked, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The passage of scripture the eunuch was reading was, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. 
The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Well, let's pause here for a moment, friends. If you tuned in late, you're listening to A Word from the Word with me, your host, Pastor Tom. I want you to know how valuable you are as listeners to A Word from the Word, which is 100% listener-supported. Your financial partnership keeps this program on the air, which disciples many Christians without a church home, plus those of you who may have been wounded by the institutional church. Join forces with me in A Word from the Word by emailing me for support details at a word from the word at minister.com. We'll repeat this info at the end of today's broadcast. Well, back to Philip and the Ethiopian. Notice that the three key players in this account also fit into our template. Divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. First, there's the Lord through the Holy Spirit, the one with the divine resources. Second, there's a human need represented by the Ethiopian eunuch who's on a specific journey at a specific time. And third... There's a loving channel represented by Philip, who's open and sensitive to the Holy Spirit's voice. Last time, we unpacked Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. Today's account reveals a lot about Philip and how he approached the Ethiopian eunuch, revealing a similar model for us. Last time, we saw spiritual sight, looking with Jesus' eyes. Today we'll see spiritual hearing, listening to the Holy Spirit's voice. You see, friends, I'm convinced that with just a little refining of our senses, tuned to spiritual frequencies, we'll be more able to see and hear what the Holy Spirit wants us to see and hear. He wants us to see and hear the cries of the people around us. Well, let's observe Philip's tactics exhibited in this event. First, like Jesus, Philip made himself available. Sound familiar? Philip's availability comes out in 8.4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. More literally, it's went about preaching the word. But went about carries with it the idea of passing through places or regions randomly. In other words, as they naturally come up. Stephen Arterburn and David Stoop in the Spiritual Renewal Study Bible say at Acts 8-4, the believers were driven from their homes in Jerusalem, but they used the opportunity to share the good news wherever they went. Translation, Philip had a spiritually holistic understanding of life as it's lived out in the real world, and that God's sovereign hand was always at work, no matter the circumstances. Application? Do we really take scriptures like Colossians 3.17 to heart? And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. In other words, do we view our secular life as being separate from our sacred life? We shouldn't. Friends, all of life has a spiritual dimension to it. And if we view certain negative or unpleasant incidents in our lives as only interruptions or aggravations, we may miss what the Spirit is trying to get across to us to see or hear. Missing a God incident to let someone see our faith. 
Another way Philip made himself available comes out in verses 26 and 29. Both an angel of the Lord and the Holy Spirit directed him to find the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip was evidently a person of prayer and therefore spiritually sensitive to hearing supernatural impressions. This also tells me he was spiritually tuned in to the Holy Spirit. Second, like Jesus, Philip asked questions. Notice, friends, Philip asked questions to draw out information to determine where the Ethiopian was at spiritually. His first question is in verse 30. Do you understand what you are reading? Third, like Jesus, Philip showed patience and recognized stepping stones to final belief. Friends, Philip entertains the Eugenics questions in verses 31 and 34 and is invited up into his chariot to give him the answers. Then in response to the eunuch's second question, Philip makes this opportunity a stepping stone to declare that Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah who has been revealed to be Jesus Christ. By being available, being a person of prayer, being sensitive to the Spirit's voice, being patient and recognizing stepping stones to belief, Philip became a loving channel through which divine resources met a human need, and this was to the glory of God. So, friends, remember God is in the business of engineering circumstances in people's lives so that he can love them through us. And let's remember that engineer's prayer. Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so that you can love them through me. Hmm, maybe I should start a new marketing campaign to replace that old WWJD one. Maybe I'll call it WWPD. What would Philip do? Well, friends, today I hope you're beginning to see that in the life of Jesus in the Gospels and the life of Philip and other apostles and disciples in the book of Acts, that it appears there's just a handful of characteristics the Lord works through. And friends, please don't misunderstand me to be proposing that these characteristics represent a formula or a set way of doing things. Rather, they each represent a degree of personal willingness on our part. Each encounter we have with people will help us determine which of these will work best. So let's just review them, and we may also call them tactics. First, make yourself available. Go where people are. In other words, don't be content with just inviting someone to your church. Remember, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Second, be candid, but also tactful. This shows respect to those you're talking with. Third, look and see beyond the person's immediate need. Remember, their immediate need may just be the stepping stone you're looking for to open a conversation. Fourth, ask questions to draw out answers. Don't just declare truths. Ask questions to discern just where the person is spiritually. Fifth, show patience. In other words, let the person know you care and are listening to what they're saying. Sixth and lastly, appeal to belief. Recognize there are stepping stones to belief. And don't expect everyone to have the whole enchilada right at the outset. Keep the door open for another discussion at a future time. Friends, knowing and utilizing these characteristics or tactics will prompt the Holy Spirit to arrange for natural events to occur at specific times to further his ends. 
Singer-songwriter Twyla Paris once said, Whether I hear God's call or not depends on the condition of my ears, and exactly what I hear depends upon my spiritual attitude. The quiet yet passionate insistence of his follow me was spoken to people who every sense was receptive. If we will allow the Holy Spirit to bring us face to face with God, we too will hear what Isaiah heard, and I'll add what Philip and Dan Montgomery heard the voice of the Lord. In perfect freedom, we too will say, here I am, send me. Friends, in Galatians 6, 9, and 10, the Apostle Paul gave us these words to spur us on. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Well, friends, I can't think of a more fitting exhortation to close with for us today than 2 Corinthians thirteen fourteen, a benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're at the end of today's program, which will close with an email where you may write me with your feedback. One listener recently wrote in regarding my New Year exhortation, aired the final week of 2022, called Same Old, Same Old, or Something New, with, That's so much for sharing this message. We must never forget that we're a new creation in Christ, and he calls on us to be willing to take risks, venture forth into new territory, and develop new attitudes for dealing with the old problems. May 2023 give us the opportunity to do that and more. Thank you for your encouraging words. And friends, the email you hear at the end is also where you may inquire about how to financially help keep a word from the word on the air. Thanks to those of you who faithfully support this weekly broadcast. I also love coming alongside you who are without a church home or those who may have been wounded by the institutional church. Podcasts may be freely accessed at faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts. Podcasts may also be accessed on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And thanks to my friends and partners at christianbody.net. A word from the word is broadcast to over 70 countries. Friends, 2023 is now underway. I invite you to consider becoming a support team member and invest in the ministry of a word from the word. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.